So we, we just saw the Bible project on John, the first half of John, and right at the end, it talked about his death, right? Yeah. It talked about him going to his death, and there was, he drew out the symbol of a cross, right? I mean, you saw, did you see that cross that he put up there? And this, it, the, the cross is, you could say it's the center of Christianity. If we didn't have the cross, there'd be no Christianity, right? And so it's a symbol, just like he was saying, it's a sign, it's a symbol of our faith. And so we see crosses on graves or on church buildings. Uh, sometimes we see them on necklaces. People wear a necklace that has a, has a cross on it, and I see one right there. You know, there's a cross that's a, a necklace. And so we have this symbol of a cross that's something, once you start thinking about it, it's, it's kind of difficult to, to really grasp, to truly, really try to understand it. And the reason is because our faith, the center of, of our faith, is in an execution. The cross was an execution. Now here in the 21st century, the cross, like I said, can be a pretty silver necklace. But we don't really think of it as a symbol of execution. I read recently of a, a, a scholar, his name was F.F. F. Bruce. He was a very well-known uh, writer and scholar and teacher. And he said that in the first century, the word cross <clears throat> would not even be used in polite society. In other words, if you're, if you're sitting around talking with friends, uh, you never use the word cross because it's like a curse word. They never even said the word. It would be offensive. If you're at a nice, if you're at a dinner or with some friends and you said something about a cross, they would be offended because it'd be like saying a swear word in, in public. And, and so, the cross in the first century was a public execution. It was painful. It was degrading. I'm not going to go into any details of how bad it was. Uh, and all that occurred 2,000 years ago. We don't do that anymore. We don't put people on crosses anymore. It was a different time. It was a different place. It was a different culture. It was in a different part of the world. And so because of that, here we are 2,000 years later, trying to figure out what this cross meant during that time so we can apply it to ourselves today. And we sing a lot of songs. And so we're going we're gonna to sing some uh, songs uh, between here, uh, between uh, each section. That was not the first point, but we're going to continue on the first point in a minute. We're going to sing the song in the cross, uh, at the song at the cross, and then we're going to continue in the first point, okay? That was the introduction of the first point. So Matthew's going to help us Start sing this song together. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. 
was there by faith, I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Dear Lord, I give myself away, tis all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away, rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. And I want you to pull that down to the third verse in a second here. So we, we're, we're singing a song that's kind of cheery, you know, at the cross, at the cross, you know, it's kind of like a cheery song. And yet we have to remember the cross was not a cheery place. Jesus did not sing as he went to the cross a happy song. You, you see what I'm saying? Because he's going to die. It's a place of death. And so he, th this is a, 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 a beautiful poem when you read it. Uh, all these things he says, was it for crimes that I have done that he grown on, on the tree? Amazing pity, grace unknown, love beyond degree. And that's what we're going to be talking about here. And then he says, well, might the sun in darkness hide. Remember how the sun was covered up and became dark during that time. And shut its glories in when Christ the mighty maker died for man, the creature's sin. So we're, and we sing all these songs. So we're going to try and understand a little bit of what the cross is today. And so the cross is this central good news, a central message of good news. Um, the, you know, you normally think of good news like, remember, you, you may have, none of us, I don't think, were alive when World War II was over, but you see these pictures of, of people going out in the street and rejoicing when World War II was over or when Hitler was killed, you know, the war, the uh, war is over. Or uh, uh, terrorists were, were captured and killed and this kind of rejoicing that, okay, we're safe now. But here it says, Jesus executed, good news. Does that sound like good news? Well, I'm gonna read several scriptures, so I'm gonna, I'm, sometimes I'm gonna have to turn over and take a second, but over in 1 Corinthians verse chapter 15, Verses 1 through 3, he says, Now I want to remind you of the gospel. What does that word gospel mean? Good news. Good news, thank you. I want to remind you of the good news I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, by this good news, you are saved. No, that is good news. If you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. And then he says, For what I received, here's the good news, I passed on to you as first importance that Christ died. This is good news, that he died for our sins. According to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he uh, was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to people. That's all these things, the cross is a part of it. It's not the only part of the good news, but it's a part of that good news. And so... Where is this good news found? What is so good about this cross? 
And you think sometimes people talk about how horrible the cross was. But the good news is not in how horrible the cross was. Um, if you read the Gospels, when it comes to the execution of Jesus, all it says, and he was crucified. It never describes it. It never talks about any of the details of, of crucifixion. You get some things, does it even say in, in, uh, in the Gospels his hands were pierced? I know later on he says my hands were pierced, and, but I'm not sure if the Gospels ever say, and they put the nail in his hand and they hit the hammer. You know, they, they don't talk about it. You know, they just say it's, he was crucified. And so they, the gospel writers, my point is, did not concentrate on how terrible crucifixion was. Guess who did a better job of describing the crucifixion than the gospel writers? Well, I'm talking about a modern person. You're right, you're right. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson in The Passion. He did a really good job of portraying the horribleness. The Gospels don't. Because the good news isn't centered in how bad it was. Even though that's, yes, it was bad. And so we, we have to look at this and say, where the power of the Gospel isn't in the horribleness of, on the cross, but was in who was on the cross. All right? That's where the central message is, isn't in how bad it was, but who was on the cross. Because there were thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people that the Romans crucified in a horrible way. But it's so our message isn't on how horrible it was, but who was on the cross. And that's the focus of our message. So over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, are you on the second point now? No, I'm on the first. Sorry. On the, on the, yeah, should be. Uh, second, uh, first Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2. He says, For I res resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So the point of Paul, he said, I resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, we're going to take the bread in a moment. Who do we just? How, do we have one tray? We do. We can get well, more. No, we'll I'm going to say. Why don't we get Jonah? Would you mind doing it, passing out the bread? And we're going to have a prayer first, and then as Jonah passes out the bread, uh, we're going to have a song, and it's called "And Can It Be." All right. So let, let's pray. And Jonah, go ahead and get the the bread there, and we'll take the. I think it's in this side. There you go. So let's, let's pray together. Father, as we begin uh, today thinking about the cross and what it means, uh, we know it was because of your son uh, that we have this good news. We're thankful for his death and help us to learn a little more about it today, apply it to our lives, and uh, be able to see the, the um, application of it in our lives. We pray through Jesus. Amen. And
So now we're on the second point, if you're following along with the outline, the message of the cross. And so what is this message, of, what does it teach us, what does the cross teach us? And the first thing is how terrible sin is. That's one of the first things that should strike us is how terrible and how deadly sin is. We like to talk about our mistakes, we like to talk about our faults, we like to talk about our problems, but we don't like to talk about our sins. And really the Bible doesn't really talk too much about problems and faults, I mean a little bit, but it really centers down and the reason we have problems and the reasons we have these things is because of sin in our lives. And so we get so used to what I call the misdemeanor sins in our lives that we just kind of don't even pay attention of them uh, with them uh, we you know we talk about anger what's well, just a little anger bitterness oh that's not too bad you know just being a little bitter is not bad uh, being uh, uh, a little hateful isn't bad but you know you don't want to do big things like fighting and and beating up people and murder and all those types of things but we have to realize first of all that when we see the cross Jesus is there for me, and he's there for my sins. Now, if you've committed murder, Jesus is there for your murder. If you've committed whatever, you, you've been fighting, and you've knocked some people's teeth out, Jesus is there for you. But he's also there because I insulted people, because I spoke badly, I gossiped. He's there for all the little sins that we sometimes uh, talk about. My, my selfishness in wanting money, perhaps. Uh, maybe putting myself in front of people. I want some kind of fame. I want to be known, a selfishness in, in that way. This focus on me. And so when I've, when I've done my translation in the Bible, I come across this word 
in the Greek called sarx that is translated my sinful nature or my flesh. And I often translate that the sin of me. The sin is just wrapped up in me. So Ephesians chapter 2 says, as for you, he's talking to Christians, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. This is where you were. Your sins caused you death in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that has now worked in those who are disobedient. All of us, all, all of us also lived among them uh, at one time, gratifying the cravings of the sinful nature, gratifying the cravings of sinful me, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature ob objects of wrath, but... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our transgressions and sin. So it shows us the love of, of Christ. What, what drove him, like I said, he didn't sing a happy song when he was going to the cross, but what brought him to the cross, what caused him to go that direction, just like, as we saw, he, he was safe away from Jerusalem but Lazarus' death caused him to come back into danger. And then from there he went into Jerusalem where, where he, uh, he died. And what put him there? Well, it was love. He did it because he loves us. So let's say that Kai had been so bad that his father said, you're going to get a hundred lashes with my belt. And he's right here in front of everyone, and, and he bends over the couch there and he gets one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And I go, Matthew, can I take his place? And Matthew's like, ah, if you want it, but I'm not, I'm not holding back. And so I say, okay. And I go over there, and I get number 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And I was like, stop, that's enough. <laughs> And I was like, I would say, Kai, you got to take the rest of them. <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like that. What kept Jesus on the cross? It wasn't the nails, because he could have, you know, he could have done a miracle and come down. In fact, people were teasing him, saying, "Hey, if you're the Son of God, just come on down off the cross." You see, what kept him on the cross wasn't the nails, but his love for us. It'd take a whole lot of love for me to go for the rest of those ninety lashes if I was get, getting them, but maybe I'd do it. <laughs> but Jesus, he didn't have to stay on the cross. He, he could have gotten off the cross at any time. Uh, his love kept him there. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. All right, here's how he demonstrated, showed his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the cross shows us the love of Christ. But it also shows us an example that we're to follow. Uh, we're, we're, we're supposed to have, uh, in a sense, not a physical cross like Jesus, but we are to have a, a cross also. Jesus never asked us to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. And so this message of the cross, when we look at it, is we're sitting there looking at this attitude, this way, that what drove Jesus also has to be the driving focus of my life. Uh, Jesus calls us, I want you to do as I have done. And so Philippians chapter 2 and verse uh, 8, he says, 
uh, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, he became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. And early he says, this is the attitude that you should have. You should have a cross-type attitude that I am willing to put myself on the line. I'm willing to die, in a sense, uh, to myself for other people. But also the cross shows us how much you're worth. It shows your, your value. I, I've used this illustration a lot of times, and I, I, I often wonder when I use it if, I'm, if people are, are listening because you use an illustration too many times, people may not listen. But I've said, if a chicken can redeem you, if a chicken can purchase your salvation, then your value is a chicken. All right? If God said, okay, your sins need to be redeemed, need to be purchased, and the price of that, you have to bring a chicken to be sacrificed. And if you brought a chicken to be sacrificed, then you would know, that's my worth. That's, that's what, I'm, what he paid, what I had to pay for my sins was a chicken. And God says, no, you're worth more than a chicken. How about a bull? Now, a bull would cost a lot more money than a chicken. But if all you were worth was a bull, then you would live like a bull. All right? So what are you worth? You're the worth his, his own son. Over in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 18 and 19, these, le these little letters, numbers are getting smaller and smaller every year. Uh, here it is. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your for forefathers. He says, you weren't redeemed with gold and silver. And gold and silver is pretty valuable, right? But he says, you weren't redeemed with that, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish, or defect. And so this message of the cross tells us that you are so valuable in God's sight. And if it's in God's sight, then it's your true value, it's your true worth. That he, the only thing that could purchase you was his own son. So we're going to take the fruit of the vine now as we think about that, as we think about um, the, uh, the blood of Jesus purchasing us, uh, shows us our value, shows us the type of love that we're supposed to have, and we're going to have the song, He Paid a Debt, at the same time. Let me see if we can get a couple of the boys. Uh, who, who can we, who will volunteer or three of the boys to pass out the juice? Mike and Tui and Jonah. Why don't we, you three do it? Yeah, that way we don't want too many as we play this song here. He paid a debt he did not owe, I owe the debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, amazing grace. All day long Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. He paid the debt on Calvary, He saved my soul, He set me free. I'm glad that Jesus 
washed all my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, amazing grace. All day long, Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. One day He's coming back for me to live with Him eternally. Won't it be glory to see Him on that day? And now I sing a brand new song, amazing grace. All day long Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. All right, so now we're going to look at the power of the cross. Okay, we had the message of the cross, and we're going to see the power of the cross. What, what did this cross do? All right, I'll let these boys take up all these things. Okay, so the first thing the pow the cross did, the power of the cross. It's something we all know and all familiar with. Is that removed sins? Um, again, you have to go back, and that really doesn't have a lot of meaning until we realize how bad sin is. Uh, sin is one of the two things in the world that we don't have power to do anything about. Does anyone know the? The, first, the one, one is sin. We have no power to overcome our sins. What else do we have no power to overcome? Death. Death, Death and sin. We can't overcome those with our, own, uh, with our own strength. And so we can't live a life of sinless perfection. So God has to remove this from our life. And so he does that through the cross. Colossians 2 uh, verse 13 says, when you were dead, oh, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave you all your sins. So that's the first thing. Our sins were forgiven. But it's more than that. When I was very young, if you said, what has God done for you? I, could, I would say, well, he forgave my sins. If you said, well, what else did he do? I wouldn't know. All right, and that's okay. You you have to grow up and study the Bible a little more and know some more things. But here's another thing the cross did for us: it reconciled races. Reconcile means to make friends, uh, bring back into a good relationship with with each other. And so, we have a lot of laws in our in that are good laws in our country that says you cannot discriminate based on race. All right, you can't not hire somebody because they're a certain race, all right? And those are good laws, but they don't fix the problem. What really fixes the problem is, is the cross. And so over in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16, he says, um, oh, let's see here. This is right in the middle of a sentence. That's why I'm kind of hesitating. He says, by this one body... Uh, talking about Christ, he, uh, he reconciled, well, let's see here, Let, i got to back up. His purpose, God's purpose, was to create in himself one new man out of the two. And he was talking about the racial divide in his day and time. There was like basically two types of races during their, their they consider people in one of two 
uh, uh, races. And he says he, his purpose was to take the two and to make them into one new person. And in this body, to reconcile both of them, to bring them back to friendship, both of them, uh, to God through the cross. And so once we're reconciled to God, we don't, we don't look at people as, oh, you're different, I don't like you, I don't want to be around you. But in Christ, we are reconciled, we're made friends again. And we're also, uh, peace is restored. You know, that's one thing that we, that we desire deeply is peace, isn't it? Don't, do you like to be around fussing people? No, no one likes to be around fussing people. I have never named my house, but, I, but I've I told Julia, if I wanted to name my, you know, the English would name their houses. I don't know if they do it anymore, but the English often <coughs> name their houses. And uh, they have some kind of name, whatever it was. Something usually had to do with things that were in the, in the area like roses or something or whatever. I said I would name my house Irini, which is the Greek word for peace. All right. When I go home, I have the sense of peace. I love that. I love to go home. I never come home and Julie's like, I can't believe you're out. <laughs> Except I did come in a little late today, and she was standing there like, <laughs> like where were? I was a little concerned, <laughs> but it wasn't like. I'm going to get you for this. But it was, you know, it's peace. We love peace. Uh, we long for peace. We don't do good without when, when there's uh, not peace in our lives. We get ulcers. We get sick. We, get, we feel bad. We get depressed. All these things. We don't do well. We're not, we're not created. Our bodies are not created to be in an atmosphere of strife. And so this peace that God brings is a lot of uh, scriptures um, that we could go to, it, 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 uh, it, it brings us into a peace relationship with God first, and therefore we can be in a peace relationship with each other. And I'm just going to stay in this passage here in Ephesians where it says, For he himself is our peace, who made the two one and destroyed the barrier. So it's talking about this peace that he, he brought. And he also changed standards. Here's another thing that the, the, the cross did. It's, it changed the standard. Before, God said, do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to have a relationship with me? Here's the law. Keep the law. Just do these Ten Commandments, except there are more than Ten Commandments, but basically follow these t Ten Commandments. And we read those Ten Commandments and we say, those, those are really good. Do not kill, do not steal. You know, all these things, these are good commandments. So we should keep them. But our problem is we can't live up to the law. Laws, God's law is perfect, but we can't live up to it. And so it's a standard that God sets and says, Here, here's what it means to be in a relationship with me, to live correctly. Here's the standard, and we can't do it. And so it's like having a 30-foot high jump bar. I don't think anyone has pole vaulted 30 feet, have they? Have they pole vaulted 30 feet? I don't think they're pole vaulted 30 feet. I think they're pushing 30 feet. But I mean, that, that's a, no one's gonna be able to jump, you know, 30 feet high. So it's like having this standard, and it's not that God said, well, you guys can't live up to my standards, so I'll just lower the standard. 
All right, I know that you can't be perfect like me, so just keep one law. You know, he didn't lower the standard. What he did, he just took it away. Wow. How did he take that away? Colossians 2, verse 14 um, says, uh, having, um, well, we've got to get back up. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulation. That's the law. That was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. So he put that on the cross, basically saying, Jesus fulfills the law for us. All right? And a lot of people say, well, does that mean we don't have to keep the law, that we never have to, we can sin now? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Uh, the, the last thing, death was destroyed. Death was the second thing that we ha can't do anything about. Sin was the first one, death is the second one. And so the cross has actually destroyed the thing that needs to be destroyed, and that's uh, death. Let me read Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, where he says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And so the cross actually gets rid of our death problem too. Let's sing There's Power in the Blood. And then we're going to get into our application. Your king, there's power in the blood, power in the blood. 
There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, there is power, wonder working power. So a little application on that last point, application of the cross. So the first application is we have to get on the cross ourselves, in, in a sense. Um, Jesus went voluntarily, and we have to be there voluntarily too. And we're going to sing a song in a minute that is from the scripture, Galatians 2, verse 20. And it is, I have been crucified with Christ. But nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And so there's a crucifixion of ourselves. Some way we have to be crucified with Christ. So we have to, you could say, get on a cross here. We have to voluntarily follow Jesus this way. Uh, we have to crucify our sinful nature. That, that, um, that word I said that was translated sometimes sinful nature or sometimes translated flesh, I always translate or often translate it, the, the, uh, the sin, uh, sinful me uh, is what we have to cr uh, crucify. And the way we do this is we have to say no to the things that we want to say yes to sometimes. Uh, we need to say no to me and yes to God. And the only way we can do that is by studying our Bible and, and always getting ourselves focused. Well, what does God want me to do in this situation? The basic message of Christianity right now is God wants you to be nice. Just be nice. All right. But the Bible never says be nice. The Bible says love. And sometimes love is a very difficult thing to do. And sometimes we don't know how to love correctly. And that's why we need to always be in the scriptures to help us learn what it means uh, to love and, and to say no to what I want to do. Sometimes it means I have to do a very hard thing and maybe talk to someone about a problem they're having. It's a whole lot nicer for me not to even say anything. Sometimes love tells me to do, to do that. So I have to crucify what I want to do and do what God wants me to do. And it also puts life and me in the proper perspective. Without the cross, I, can, I will drift toward crueness. I will be a crueler uh, person. And what I mean by that is if I'm not crucified with Christ, that means I'm the king of my life. And kings most often degenerate and become a worse person at the end of their career than the beginning. Power just corrupts them. And so if I'm the king of my life, then I'll become a worse and worse person as my life goes on because everything is going to be uh, centered around the most important person, which is me. And if I'm the most important person, then you often will get in my way and I'll be cruel towards you. Uh, the cross helps me see who I am without God. Um, uh, Romans, sitting here looking at 1 Corinthians, there, Romans chapter 12, he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's 
will is, his good and his perfect will. And then he goes on to say, when you do this, by the grace given uh, me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment and in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And so the cross helps me do that, helps me to really think of myself in the proper way. Also, last of all, the cross means that I'm strong when I'm weak. I don't like to be weak. Who, who wants to be weak? Who wants to be seen as a weakling? None of us want to be seen as a weakling. So I've been doing my push-ups. You know that? Can you tell? Oh yeah, thank you. You know how many put you know how many push-ups I did yesterday? Four. <laughs> Four. I did a hundred I did a hundred and thirty. That's a lot. Yeah, not not in a row. I did them in, in stages. I did, I did no I did them, I did them in stages of like twenty at a time. Break, you know. But still that's okay. Four stages of twenty. All right. And, and part of the reason is because I have a really weak shoulder. This shoulder here is weak. I fell and I uh, smashed it against some concrete of, uh, about three years ago. And right now, I can, a 10 pound weight over my head is hard to lift. And when I do that, I feel like a weakling. And I don't want to be a weakling, so I'm doing my push-ups because I want to be able to lift more than that. But the cross really helps me to say, you know, when I'm at my weak, weakest, I'm really in my strength because that's when God helps me. That's when God's with me. And so God will turn our weaknesses into strengths. And I don't really understand how he does that. But he says that's what he does. So in our weakest places, that's when we can be strong. So we're going to sing, uh, I've been crucified with Christ. And then we're going to close out. We'll sing it a couple, through a couple times. If you don't know, that way we can kind of learn it as we go. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life that i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me all right so how do we have access to this cross i said we have to put ourselves on that cross how do we do that over in romans chapter 5 it really says the the foundational part of this is faith all right we have to look at what god did for us and we say, I don't understand everything about that, but I trust that if God said that saves me, if God says that is where my focus needs to be, if God says this is the point of races are reconciled and peace is restored between God and other people, then I have to believe that. I, I don't fully see it. I don't fully understand it. That's okay. But God said it, so I believe it and then begin to focus my life on that and he'll, he'll help develop the understanding as I go along. But there's a connection. He says, you have to be in Christ. You have to, be, you have to participate in this. And so how, how, I, I, my good friend Tim uh, asked me last year sometime, he, says, he said, uh, where, do, where, uh, where, where did you experience 
the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Where do you experience that? Well, you can believe in Christ, but how do you experience the death, burial? We can't go back 2,000 years and experience the death, burial, and resurrection. But he tells you in Romans chapter 6, right after talking about the need for faith in Romans chapter 6, he says um, in verse uh, 3, he says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Wow. So when you're baptized into Christ Jesus, you are baptized into his death. That's where you experience the death of Christ. I didn't see Christ's death. It doesn't feel that much like a death. But he says, in faith, when we do that, we're experiencing the death of Christ. And then he says, therefore, we were buried with him. All right, we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Here's, here's one thing that's always helped me with, um, with um, the, the purpose of baptism. When I think, when I, as years go by, there are times I think, if I was a really, if I was a Christian, maybe I shouldn't have thought. I shouldn't have thought that, or I wouldn't have thought that if I was a Christian. I wouldn't have done that if I was a Christian. So I start questioning whether I'm a Christian or not. I think this is the way Satan does uh, works in our lives. We begin questioning whether we're a Christian or not, and then I remember, I remember going down into that water in faith going down to that water, getting dunked under, and coming up. I remember that. And then I remember, yes, I dedicated myself to God at that moment. I came into contact with Jesus' blood. I was buried into Christ. And yes, I'm in a relationship with him, even though I'm doing a real poor job of it right now. And then that convicts me, and I need to make some changes. But that's what I remember. I remember that time, and I remember, yeah, it's just like this. You know, when this, this hasn't happened to me in recent years. But when I first got married, after, you know, the first year, I didn't feel like I was married. Did, did, did you, any of you experience that? I was kind of like, I'm, I'm married? I, I don't even feel like a man, much less like a husband. <laughs> you know, it's like, what does a married person, you know, I didn't feel, you know, sometimes like I was married. Right after the 18th year. Yeah, but eight, and sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes even, you know, later. But, but I remembered, I walked, I, didn't, I walked in front of people, and Julie walked down an aisle, and we said vows to each other, and we said, I do. And then the preacher said, you can kiss your bride. Yuck. <laughs> and then I remember, yeah, I am married. I am. Even though sometimes I don't feel like a good husband. I don't feel like I'm doing a good job. I don't feel like I'm doing the things I should as a husband. But I remember. So I am. Same thing with a, as a Christian. Sometimes you don't feel like you're doing what you should do. You're not, I'm not where I, sh I am. Not, I'm not growing like I should. I'm not doing like I, things I should. But... I am, 
because when I was buried into Christ, I became in a relationship with him, and I remember that well. Anyway, that's the message of the cross today. Yeah, we did have one more song, didn't we? What was that? Must Jesus bear the cross? Do you have it? Yeah, All right. I have it. asked me to play this last song here. I'll, I'll press play, and then I'll just put the words up for you so you can see the words. <laughs> 